Hey there, it's Angie. And I'm Kat, and we are Beyond, Beyond the, the Door. Door. This podcast is an extension of the Purple Door, a nonprofit organization serving 12 counties within South Texas. Our mission is to empower the community and those affected by domestic violence and sexual assault to transition to a safe and healthy environment. We believe community accountability through education is at the heart of prevention. Quick disclaimer, this podcast will be discussing sensitive subjects. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. There may be explicit language geared toward a mature audience. Hello. Hi, guys. Welcome. Hi there. I'm so happy to have you. And your voice reaches all the way to the microphone. (laughs) That was really good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Okay. um, So, I mean... I would love to just start this episode off with a little bit of introductions. Fran, you can reintroduce yourself if you want to. I'm Frances Wilson. I'm the president and CEO of the Purple Door. I've been there for 33 years in various positions, which we'll talk about later. So cool. And I'm Katrina Wilson, and I was with the Purple Door for 20 years in various positions, but left. When I left, it was as the executive director. Very cool. Oh, so Kelly's position. No, she was my, no. she was me. No, it was the CEO. Oh, oh, okay. Aha. Okay. Yeah, I was the CEO for nine years. Wow. That's awesome. That's super cool. Hmm. She, she really saved our agency. I don't know if we'll go into any of that or if we should, <laughs> story, yeah. but she really like kept our doors you open. You can't say that and then not go into it. Oh, we're our, definitely going to go into it Yeah, now. what? Yeah, now we have to. <laughs> now we have to. Yeah. Um, okay, so... We, I guess, the, I mean, the first one was just to go into a little bit of depth of what, where you started at the Purple Door, where you're at now. Just, I mean, yeah, talk a little bit about that, I guess. Why don't you go first? Yeah. So I was uh, finishing up grad school. Yeah. I was finishing <laughs> up grad school and needed to do some internships uh, in the counseling program. And... The guy who was the lead on my graduate committee knew I was more interested in kind of research, and he said, well, I think you really ought to get more hands-on, and I'd really like you to go down to a place called the Women's Shelter, and, you know, they're willing, one of their counselors is a supervisor, and she'll be glad to work with you, and I'm like, the Women's Shelter, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) And he said, well, it's a place for victims of family violence and children to go. And I said, David, <laughs> really, I said, I'm sorry, I've lived here all my life, and, you know, at the ripe old age of, what, 23 or 24 at the time, <laughs> lived here all my life, and we don't have that sort of thing here. Mm. And he said, well, yes, you do, and tell you what, why don't you go down there, and after two weeks, if you just cannot stand it, we'll find you another placement. I said, Okay. And I walked in on September 10th, 1985, and uh, didn't leave for 20 years. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's so awesome. And it was, it turned out to be the most incredible experience and ride of my my life. No kidding. And I hear you had a big impact. We, yeah, we we did. There was a small group of us that um, the agency went through a very difficult time. Yeah. Financially. Yeah. And to the point that it was the front page of the newspaper. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, executive director, women's shelter audited, executive director fired was the headline. Oh, boy. And so that that worries, those kinds of things worry funders. Sure. Mm -hmm. 
found out lots of things that have been hidden. We were deeply, deeply in debt. Mm. Uh, we hadn't paid payroll taxes. We had a mortgage that they were ready to foreclose on. Wow. That wasn't really wow. supposed to have had to happen. Um, we didn't buy post-it notes after that. We watched <laughs> every now. penny. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're living large. Yeah, that's <laughs> to it. I know. I'm not surprised. Um, I mean, we went to garden shows to get free pencils and pens. Wow. We did what we had to do. You do? Yeah. Absolutely. I borrowed from a board member's grandmother to make payroll. Wow. Mm-hmm. But we, those of us that were the real core of the group, stood together. Made it happen. We um, built better and stronger relationships with our donors and our funders. I love that. So we were really fortunate that I'd already been handling most of the contract management and all when things happened. Uh, But then we had a number of folks who stepped up in the community with the most important being Ed Hart when he and his family uh, offered to do a donation. It when we raised our match, it allowed us to pay off the mortgage. It allowed us to buy the heart building and remodel it and buy the furnishings. It allowed us to do the extension that added that youth room upstairs at the mm-hmm. back. Yeah. It wow. was paid off everything. Yeah. We've never we paid off that again. Mm-hmm. Wow. Never again. And then we built up our own reserves because yeah. I knew we had to do that. That's incredible. And so the time came at one point where, oh, well, during that, I got you know, I, I got on the board at TCFV then, but not on the hotline until I had already moved to United Way. But I had been approached by United Way of the Coastal Bend to consider applying for their CEO job. And I thought, no, you know, I don't really need a job, and I like my job, and they kind of, at the beginning, made an offer I couldn't refuse. Mm. <laughs> and so uh, Fran stepped in as the acting CEO. And she told me, she said, no, I don't want this job. <laughs> <laughs> Just so y'all have that Fran's on. Like, she, she, Fran's she like, she ratted you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. And, so, and I said, but you can do this job. That's why you're doing it is acting. She said, that's okay. And so a couple of months later, they were, you know, hiring a search firm and all of this. And I said, this is ridiculous. You're doing the job. Right. Mm-hmm. Tell them. Sure enough, she threw her hat in the ring, and the search firm recommended her as the number one person. Wow. Of course. And I think you'll always be glad that you did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, I read a book where it said that, God sometimes makes you do things that are very uncomfortable to oh, kind of get yeah. you where you're supposed to be. And I thought, okay. Oh, that's a theme. Then, that's mm-hmm. a theme in in, <laughs> in today. Faith. Uh, today too. Well, uh, yeah. Earlier. Today. You got you, well. Sure. Yeah, I'd say that's a theme just in life. Oh yeah. If you want to grow and you want to, you know, get get to where you want to be eventually, you're gonna have to step into some un- uncomfortable yeah. positions, yep. not just in work. That's right. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. yeah. Definitely in line. Wow. That's cool. What an amazing story. So what, um, when you first started, I, I'm just so curious about what the Purple Door looked like back then. Like, were there, t- was it a separated team? Were there enough people working here for there to be separated teams? Were, were is it oh, no, everybody? No, no, no. There all- was a shelter, which was, an, which was an old house. Yeah. 
where the parking lot is at the main facility right now. Oh, wow. And that was the, the front of that was the shelter itself. It was one of the few homes in Corpus Christi that had a basement. Oh, wow. Um, it slept about 24 people unless the fire marshal, when then it could sleep a little more unless the fire marshal called and said yeah. it was going to come by. Because sometimes we use often. the living room. Yeah. That's think. true. Mm. It was very cozy. <laughs> That's what housed the hotline. Um, we talked like it had a lot of security, and basically it had a lock on the door mm. and a door that was in such bad shape you could see sunlight coming through the wood. I mean, it was an old house. It was built yeah. in the 20s. Yeah, wow. There was a peephole, though, too. That's true. So. We did have a peephole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's another part of the security. We yeah, can see right. who's coming. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Advertise that. 100%. <laughs> you got to use what you got. <laughs> I mean, you know, the guy said, postman, you'd open the door. It's like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I knew who it was. <laughs> but then they purchased, and I can't remember the exact year. I had purchased like a home. Maybe. That sounds right, because I was there in 85, and it was fairly new. Yeah. They purchased a home that fronted the other street, where the front of the current facility is. Okay. That one fronted that street. Okay. And then they took the three-car garage and turned that into offices. Oh, wow. And then they called that the support center, and it was really to have... It had like, I think, four or five bedrooms. I think so. And we had a person who pretty much lived there that was on staff. And uh, it was for trans, kind of transitional living yeah. for a period of time. Wow. When you left the emergency shelter, you could stay there. But that also housed uh, non resident counseling services. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, um, and we did individual in group. Wow. Times I can hit that too. <laughs> <laughs> we both talk with our hands. I know. I, know. I need okay. to put them on my head or something. I'll just sit like this. <laughs> <laughs> I could just be held captive. You sit on them. They're right. That's what my mom would say. Just yeah, sit on them. Yeah. But, That's funny. Uh, wow. Yeah. So. That's incredible. Yeah, it was really. We should we should make a history book of the Purple Door. There should be yeah, one. Yeah, there's some fabulous oh, pictures so, and that's all. Incredible. I've and seen some of them. We went and then it was decided to try to build the the new shelter, the twenty eight year old, yeah, the twenty eight year old shelter that we still that those of us who are older still call the new shelter. Yeah, mm. the new shelter, and um, and that was actually only the third shelter. To be built from the ground up Holy as, a, as a family violence center. Uh, in Texas or no, ever? No, in the United States. Shut up. It was what? identified in Architectural Digest because B.B. Dykema. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's very likely I forgot. You know, they say you can either remember something from long ago or like the last five minutes. So in just a minute, you know, we're hitting what, the 80s? I'm going to be shutting down. I'm going to be on oh, no. the track of the last five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was a it was a big deal when that wow. was being built oh, wow. in the whole United States. Mm-hmm. That's insane. What? That's that is because awesome. people went in and they got old houses mm-hmm. and yeah. things like that. Before we got our old house, they had volunteers who would take turns with a phone number. 
Yeah, that makes sense. the hotline and then try to place them somewhere. Holy cow. in someone's house. And so it was a big deal when they got that house. Wow. The original house. Wow. How many people worked at the shelter, though, when you started? Oh, gosh, when I first, maybe 10? 10 I feel like by the time I came on, it was like maybe 14 or 15 people. Yeah. Staff? Staff. Total. Yeah. And now we have, you know, over 40. Yeah. I mean, you know, we had one person working overnight. Holy cow. They answered the hotline and they took care of all the clients. That's tough. That were there. Uh, you had one person, you had, we had three shifts, you know, Yeah. yeah. one person on each of those shifts, and then like a shelter manager, that's how I met Donna Hurley, she was working there at the shelter, and then later, and we worked, we met on September 10th, 1985, and we worked together up until I retired from United Way almost three years ago. Wow. wow. Yeah, and then we had two people that worked in the youth area. Annie and Lupe, and then Brenda worked over in the other, in the support center house, and then there was, Judy was a counselor, there had been a counselor that left, and so I was really filling in for them. Wow. And that was it. Oh, wow. When it started. Holy cow. And then over the next 10 years, when Boca started, first came down and all. Mm-hmm. We were able to start doing the outreach into the other counties and hire additional staff. And in yeah, we had two part-time people. And we kept two part-time people going into the outlying counties for a pretty good while, right? Mm-hmm. Probably till late ni- 90s or 2000 or... Yeah. Wow. So that kind of leads really well into the next question. What was it like entering into this movement when it was still pretty taboo to get involved in other people's business. That was very interesting. So, yeah. you know, here I thought we didn't need anything like mm-hmm. that. And I would mm-hmm. get there and I would get, I was there just part time and I would get my appointment book and I'd think, I'm sure that someone says mother, or I think that person was in PTA with my mother, mm-hmm. or goes to church with so and so. Wow. And so then, you know, Judy and I, the other counselor, are having to play this, okay, making sure they feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Right. And understanding. You learn a lot about confidentiality and ethics really quick, as you all already know. Absolutely. Um, it was just so amazing to me. And you understand even things like Texas Council on Family Violence, that, had, that was just a few years old. Oh, wow. I didn't yeah. know that. They're yeah, only a couple years opened, older than us? They opened, like, the same, same year, year we did, that we opened. Oh, days. shut up. Oh, what? Oh, we oh, should do started. some. Well, and the original mm-hmm. executive. Um, oh, Catherine, Catherine Chambers. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the founders of the agency. She was we one still of have the founders her diary. of the, the What? Uh, really? We have her diary? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. And she wrote really interesting things on it. It's mundane mm-hmm. as I went it's, to get groceries for the shelter. Uh-huh. You know, and pencil and pen. Just, oh, my yeah. gosh. So Catherine was one of the ones that started TCFE. Oh, wow. what, three other directors or four Okay, others. see, I didn't know Catherine was part of TCFE. Catherine was. She was part of That's crazy. Unless that's another thing TCFE. that I have forgotten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> Which is, is she still around? Oh, no, she passed oh, no, away. She passed away oh, okay. a long time ago. Oh. Actually, her ashes are buried on our property at the yeah, shelter. Really? In the backyard. You know, so, well, I was just going to say, so the movement was early on, and 
you know, you went and you'd tell people, mm-hmm. well, this is what I'm doing, <laughs> this is what I'm doing. And people are like, wow, you what, know, that What do you really mean? Is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think probably the hardest things at the beginning were finding out that it was very, if you didn't know anything about it, then it's easy to hide. It's yeah. Yeah. Easy to hide and easy to ignore. Mm -hmm. Even if you see it in someone else. Did you have a lot of pushback from people when you would try to like, I guess, be there for, cause I know that the big, the big thing is like, this is not your business. Get out of my, like, you don't have any rights well, we to didn't track people down. They had to call us. That's true. Okay. That's so there was like yeah, no they education were, they were department reaching out. or like okay oh, education. No, we didn't have yeah. Okay. Okay. No, we, okay. Had, <laughs> we had a shelter. <laughs> right. yeah, it was pretty basic. Or, yeah, it was. Wow. Oh, wow. wow. So well, we had to find out about us because they were looking at grocery shopping. Yeah, they were looking for the hotline number had to be or, or for the it. police brought them or something. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Occasionally, the police would bring them. Later on, they would. They were better about it. And how but a lot of times like? it was hard because you'd find out that, well, somebody calls you on the hotline, and I remember I was good, I was terrified because everybody had to be trained to answer the hotline. Yeah. You just never knew. You don't? And I remember thinking, please don't ring. <laughs> please don't <laughs> ring. What if I say the wrong thing? Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, that type of thing. And then the phone, the first time it rang, it turned out it was an admin call that I had to send to <laughs> oh my gosh. or something. You know, it's like, Okay. I remember feeling like that because I went to the shelter and it was probably like my first or second week that I went because of the incident that happened Mm -hmm. and everybody was covering. And so I had gone in and they put me on the line that day as well. And I was like, I literally to myself was like, please don't ring. (laughs) Please. Please. Oh, and it did. And it was... I don't want to say comfortable, but it was a lot less scary than it comes I thought. Naturally. It, yeah, 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 I guess, yeah. Because I a lot of times they want to talk to you. That's why they call. It's just yeah. about having compassion, mm-hmm. yeah, and understanding and letting them know from the beginning that you believe them. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Because yes. they, you know, that's all many of our victims have ever heard is we don't believe. Yeah. yeah. Are you sure? That would never that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't you exaggerating? Mm. I can remember hearing that. that. But, you know, back then, mm-hmm. law enforcement really didn't. They weren't on board. Mm-mm. Yeah. yeah. No, it was like, lady, you need to calm down. And guy, you need to go take a walk. And that's, that's it. it? Yeah. And that was the pretty much the extent of it. Oh, I've heard horror stories For from my Oma. Many years. Yeah. I've heard horror stories. of a. It was a policeman came to the door and... Um, some stuff had been going down, and he saw everything and was like, I think somebody had mentioned something about, well, she's my wife, you know? It's my, this is, that's why I bring that up, is like, a, this is my business, my wife, yeah. you know, our family. And the police officer was in agreement, and he was like, yeah, work it out. That's that, yeah. Where that whole rule of thumb yeah. came from. Yeah, I didn't uh, even know what that meant until I started working at the shelter. Yeah, I didn't either. What? You've heard the term rule of thumb mm-hmm. yeah. as an expression? Yeah. Yeah, there was a, a law, oh boy. a rule, that you could beat your wife, but you didn't use a stick that was bigger around than your thumb. Shut up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did not know. Th- oh my uh, gosh, that's like a mm-hmm. regular saying. Yeah. yeah. I didn't we should probably I, stop I saying that. <laughs> I oh, you know. thought it was something different. You were thinking like rule of thumb. Like I 
thought it just meant like that's just the natural. Yeah. Because you know they'll say, "Oh, this is two inches," or yeah. that's typically. Uh, no. <laughs> it, it turns out it was about measurement, just it not. Was. Yeah. It's just a different kind. Yikes! Mm-hmm. Holy cow! Mm-hmm. Wow. Woo. Well, okay, so. Which also leads into the next question really well. How, how have you seen, what kind of changes have you seen in the movement and how have you seen it stay the same? I mean, yeah. I think a lot of things have changed because so many laws have been put on the books. Uh, whereas probably when you started and may, maybe even when I started, there weren't as many laws. Mm. Well, it wasn't until what, 90? When was it? I mean, when protective orders even came out. Yeah. I mean, not that they were given out, you know, every day or anything, yeah, but. Right. That was like you were around when they actually like came yeah, came out. Yeah, yeah. Shit. that was like a. I'm that was losing my. This is crazy. Wow. <laughs> this is not an old movement. Oh no! Right. Right. Yeah, we're. And I think people forget young. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think people forget that it's not an old like movement that we've been working on forever. Like this is new. Yeah. This is insane. Even without. Even without forgetting it, though, I knew. I knew it's not an, a, a new move or an, mm-hmm. an old movement, rather. But still talking about it and hearing, like, the realities mm-hmm. of, oh, it's just wild. Yeah, and because of the topic, I think. It's slower. You know, it's not like we've got, yeah. it's not like bunnies and rainbows. Yeah. You know, that we're out, you know. Sure, absolutely. Or putting out puppy faces. You know, yeah. Which, oh, my gosh, we got to do something about those puppies, you know. We got to take care of them. <laughs> and we do. We do. We do, yes. Yeah. We love puppies. Oh, yeah, she, we has do. A, she has a dog. She loves dogs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Change my life. You don't. You're going out to people and asking them to change their behavior. Yeah. And saying yeah. there might be an issue here. Or how they grew up. And or that's the part that probably hasn't changed as much, is that there's still those behaviors and yeah. attitudes that are very prevalent yeah. that allow for this to keep happening. Right. Mm-hmm. Being that... Okay, so when when did the prevention and education stuff start? What year was that? Do you remember? So... Prevention and education probably started around 2006, 2007. Okay. We probably had education. Though. We had some we education. We had it before that. But not to the extent that y'all are. Yeah, that was have more. have been able to grow that. Okay. You know, here's the power and control will. Uh, you know, yeah. here, here's a list of services. This is, you know, this is what we can provide. Yeah. This is what we did before prevention came along. When prevention came along... At first, we were having to, and well, we still, you know, follow those CDC mm-hmm. recommendations and sure. the framework that's passed down to us. But we've also tried to let it permeate a lot of the other work we do. Right. So, um, and it's different in that we really are trying to end something. Whereas I think before we were just, we were really, I think, educating people on here's where to go if you need help. Uh-huh. Right. Accepting yeah. it kind of as a norm at, Shoe cards at the time. were a big deal. Sure. Shoe cards? Yeah, you left cards that had all kinds of whatever contact info. I mean, it was the tiniest print in the world to get enough stuff on it. Yeah. It had the shelter hotline number. There was no national domestic violence hotline. That didn't come oh. around until 1996, 97. Wow. So, if you didn't find your local shelter hotline mm-hmm. in the phone book, remember we didn't have Google then, yeah. then you might not know it. Holy cow. Uh, and so they started doing like a little business card, mm-hmm. and it would say, this is happening, call here. Yeah. This is a police number. This is the, you know, this is legal aid's number. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, such and such. Because a person could find it and put it in their shoe. Oh. To keep it hidden. Because typically, yeah. until they could find another place to hide it, 
mm-hmm. because typically if they carried a handbag or whatever, it would be gone through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have to be searched. Yep. Periodically. Wow. So mm-hmm. it was the way that at least y'all are now reaching those that are, you know, that need to become survivors yeah. is incredible. Yeah. It, it, I well, mean, I they wanted to do, <laughs> they wanted, we had gotten together and um, they had produced, not just locally, but we could all use it, the different shelters, a couple of like 30 second, you know, what did you call like them? A PSA yeah, or PSAs. Mm-hmm. And locally, they were very hesitant to run them because they thought it would be too disturbing. Wow. wow. They were. They were the ones and that they were kind of they were disturbing, but but they needed to be. They needed at to get that time attention. to get people's attention. Yeah, because but one, the one where they they're the showing you the beautiful the flowers, flowers yeah. and they're going around and there's just they're not yeah, the saying like, a lot. The camera's showing you this. Mm-hmm. I mean, gorgeous flowers. Yeah, and then finally it starts backing up and it says he beat her 150 times but he only sent her flowers once and the flowers are on top of her casket oh my gosh and i mean i i I still now i got no kidding and And remember we we probably wouldn't do it as much and they wanted us to do black and white photos because they were worried that the colored would be too graphic because of the the red yeah the bruising and stuff on her face wow but at the time i think that's what you needed to like grab people. Uh-huh. I mean, now we probably think that sounds so dramatic. Although I don't know, I love it. Still I don't know. I love it. Of what's happening. I, I don't think know. we should do that again with our clients. It's reality. Yeah, yeah. It's reality. And I was going to mention. I, I think I'm remembering this correctly. When we were in the yellow pages, I think we were under abuse. Uh huh. Really? Wow. And when also when you got the phone book, <laughs> the old taste. I mean, that big one. Yeah. This is the only thing you got. Mm-hmm. So you'd open it up, and there's like, you know, welcome to your phone book. And then the next page was a list of kind of local numbers. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the city of Corpus Christi. This is so-and-so, and this is so-and-so. And it was a big deal when they started putting the shelter hotline number under oh, that. Awesome. Because then you wouldn't have to think, what do I look under if I'm being good? Or like trying to right. search. Yeah. and then mm-hmm. Wow. That oh, that's incredible. Amazing. So that was like a big deal. Yeah. 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 Wow. Holy cow. Jeez Louise. So on days that you just feel like you have so much more to do, and I know yeah. you do, mm-hmm. it really is. So remind yourself, yeah, we really Small have wins. come a very, very long, long way. way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so impressed with how services have grown mm-hmm. and outreach to, you know, every community that mm-hmm. there is, recognizing that there's violence and power and control and Almost any types of relationships. Yeah. Mm. And um, so yeah, that's we, and doing the prevention piece. Yeah. We still critical. have probably a few communities that think that maybe nothing's happening in mm. their community, but, but oh, I think we sure. have a lot more buy in um, than we used to and a lot more ownership. Mm. Especially mm-hmm. at Kingsville. I mean, y'all know what's going on oh, in Kingsville yeah. oh, yeah. with that DB task force. I heard about that. That's so wonderful. cool. Incredible. That's, that's awesome. what we've been working towards this whole time because they recognize it and they want to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Empowering the community to take take charge. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, so that, you had mentioned something, Katrina, about um, on those bad days, 
or those days where you're just feeling like, oh my gosh, we still have so much yeah. to do. <laughs> There's so much left. What what kind of challenges did you face, like as an individual, not just both of you, um, yeah. not just as the Purple Door, but as an individual through this through working in this movement, like telling people what y'all do for a living and like. How Just, are, like, people's reactions? I'll let you go first. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I would stop, and I I remember lots and lots, because I did see clients mm-hmm. for a period of time, and I ran Monday Night Group for a long time, mm-hmm. and I actually started the BIP program yeah. and had to mm-hmm. actually work in it because we couldn't find people to work in it. Wow. But when I first got into it, I just met such incredible people. And, you know, I'd have somebody in my office and they'd be telling me their story. And and I would, you know, make sure that they knew that I am, like, you don't see it about yourself, but Mm -hmm. I see how strong you really are. Mm -hmm. You don't think you are, but I see it. I see how you are already a survivor. You can't be stupid and survive. Mm-hmm. in one of these relationships. Right. And so there were a lot of people that I worked with that I saw their lives change and they went on to to be very successful and very happy and even a number of them I knew that they entered healthy relationships and safe relationships and you know down the road and so I would remember that Okay, that's good. Good. When I got, when I decided to leave the shelter, I, you know, it came out in the newspaper on a Friday when it wasn't supposed to have, <laughs> but um, I was having real mixed feelings mm-hmm. about it, and I was at HEB, wandering around, kind of where the frozen food is, and I ran into one of my former clients. Oh, who I hadn't seen in years because I, I had not been doing hands-on or direct service work for a long time. She had been in my Monday night group, and I was really afraid that she was going to be someone who, you know, I read her a little bit. Mm. She, she was not safe. It was in a very dangerous situation. But she came to group on Monday nights. One night she showed up, and she had dyed her hair blonde, she had been a brunette, and she said, this is my last group. I'm leaving tomorrow. Wow. And she picked up and moved. Holy and cow. I never heard from her. Wow. Until that damn standard at H-E-B. Wow. And she came up, and she said, I read about that in the paper yesterday. And I said, I just don't know. I can't talk now. <laughs> oh. I said, I just don't think I could leave. And she said, you can. You helped so many of us. Mm. And you can do this, you know, for you. And it was just a really freeing thing. But to know after all those years, she really was okay. Mm -hmm. So those are the kinds of things that when you think, gosh, today's a rough day and I don't think I'm ever going to make a difference, you look back and you look at the differences that you've already seen and that you've experienced and you'll 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 get up and go after it tomorrow. Oh yeah. Ugh. Ugh. I, well, I don't know if I can really follow that. <laughs> because when I started, I started because I just needed a job. 
and, <laughs> and, and I kind of fell okay. into it. And so I may have talked about this before, but a little um, started as an executive assistant and bookkeeper to kind of echo what Tina said earlier. You know, I remember uh, one of the things I would do would get the mail and I would like go through the shelter and drop it off. And so I'd walk through the kitchen all the time and there was like a picnic table where people sat and ate. Yeah. And I remember going through one time and somebody saying, I remember you. We went to high school together. And oh. so that's when, you know, it really started like dawning on me that this is really happening. Because I, I didn't know we had a shelter except for the fact that she was doing her practicum there and then and then started working there. Um, but I, I had thought about being a counselor until I started working at the shelter. <laughs> and then I was like, you know what? This isn't for me. Right. Yeah. And um, You have to be able to know that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think part of it, it's not that I didn't want to see clients get helped. Yeah. But I thought, oh, I'm not the person to do it because I'm going to tell them, mm-hmm. I'm probably going to tell them what to do. Like, you know, if you would just do A, B, and C, everything uh-huh. would be fine. Yeah. And I thought, I can't, I can't take the place of the person that they just left. Yeah, right. Like, this is, they're here to make their own decisions. Yes. So I ended up in jobs and staying kind of on the administrative side or, you know, volunteer coordinator side, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and I just have, I just look at myself as an advocate, but in a different way. Like, I'm there to make sure that everybody else is able to do their job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, the people that I've worked with throughout the years have had a huge impact on me mm-hmm. because I I just watched all of them and I asked questions and um, I met some really wonderful people. Um and also, I do remember one client. This has always stayed with me. I don't know why, because I know it's just one client out of thousands and thousands that have been served throughout the years. But I remember going into the shelter one time, and this this client ran into the hallway, and she said, I got a job. Uh. I was just so excited for her, because it's one of those things, you know, that we, we get excited about, but you kind of take for granted. But, I mean, a job for her meant a lifeline, and it meant creating a new life for herself. Yep. And that, you know, that's pretty huge. And Creating I, her own resources, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. And I think I'm, I don't know, I think I just stayed because I felt like I was meant to be there. Mm-hmm. And of course I got, and I was, done. I mean, you've done a great job. Well, I, yeah. Come I mean, on, I, come but on. I, but I mean, it's I work okay. with so many great people <laughs> and they, I cannot get over, you know, the work that, that the staff does. And we've always been so blessed to have the people we need at the right time. Mm-hmm. You know? I remember you saying that on my first day. Yeah. 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 It's a, we're just, true. we're just fortunate. Everybody takes it to the next level. Mm-hmm. And I, and I've always said, you know, the shelter is just a building. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the people that make the shelter. Mm-hmm. And so everybody who's worked there has left their mark somehow, you know, they've, mm-hmm. they've touched it and they're part of it. And I, I don't want to cry either, but working with my sister was one of the greatest privileges I've ever had in my life. Mm. We, and mine too. We loved and working with each other. And it's the thing that I miss the most. Aww. We balanced. I think we balanced we each other out well. And mm-hmm. 
Of course, I was fortunate because I kind of knew how she worked. Because, you know, she was one of those that she would, like, make a suggestion. She's really, like, telling you, I want you to do that. Yeah. And I knew and I that. And I want you to do that. <laughs> so, so that worked well for me because I knew what she really wanted. But, well, and, you know, I started out working with clients because that's how I got into it. And then I got hired part-time. But then I ended up going into a program director position and then a... What was it? I was sure. director of programming, and then it was like, it wasn't a deputy sure director or something. But yeah, it was you kind of like, it wasn't a deputy director, but it yeah. became like the second. Mm. And that's when I had taken over most of the grant and contract writing and stuff. And my minor was in business, and so, it did, and it, I like numbers. So that, I somebody was, has to. I was better... <laughs> I mean, that was really why, I mean, I moved because that's really where my strengths were. Right. Like, that's where your strengths are. And the reality is, if you don't have people on your team with those strengths, and they better be really good, then you you have no money, you have no mission. Mm. (laughs) That's all there is to it. That's true. That's true. No money, no mission. And when, when you were talking like, about clients oh, earlier, that, too. I want that on a demotivational post. <laughs> <laughs> well, can you go ahead and say what you're going to no say? No money, no mission. Uh, I don't, oh, and you better not run it like it's a charity either, you know, mm. or some nonprofit. Yeah, that's a tax status. You run it like a nonprofit, you're out of business pretty soon. Mm. And then the other thing that I always tell people is, People don't want to pay, or you'll hope people say, well, I don't want to pay for administration. I want to pay for, you know, direct service, or I want to buy, you know, bunnies, or baby <laughs> stuff, or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, what well, about tell the you what, yeah. you, you better fork out for good finance people, and good leadership, uh-huh. and good fundraisers, because... If you don't have that, that, you never hear about a nonprofit going under because they had a really bad program. Sure. Right? Now, it's always sure. something bizarre happened in finances. You know, they hired a bookkeeper when they needed a CPA or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or they had an executive director or CEO that didn't have very good leadership or management skills or didn't know the business side. They only knew the program side. It's a very polite way to say they sucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Scott, very they qualified. Very <laughs> professional. <laughs> very bright. <laughs> it's that professional side. You, yeah. It's the experience. <laughs> code. I like that. <laughs> so... Uh, we we talked a little bit about accomplishments, you know, for as an, an individual, and actually we really did talk about some some accomplishments of the Purple Door, uh, being that we now do have partnerships with several police departments. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's come yeah. A, it's, yeah, it's come so far. Yeah, that's huge. Mm-hmm. And some of it started changing with different chiefs over the years, and then it's gotten better and better and y'all have really done a lot of yeah. work around the advocacy piece with them and yeah uh, mark shower who's an assistant chief with ccpd is on our board and he's very passionate about um, domestic violence and sexual assault work and wow and he's he's really he helped us get the lethality assessment program off the ground oh and, wow that's awesome and i think it and that, that training yeah and that training <laughs> 
was really helpful because people from CCPD and people from our agency were put in a room together for this training, and we actually asked one another questions oh, and wow. got answers. Wow. And I think... I think that CCPD, I mean, I could, they can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we were a mystery to them. I think mm-hmm. they, they thought maybe we were trying to make their job harder ah. or, you know, because uh, we wouldn't always answer mis- questions. But then I think when we had that training, they realized we we'll can't answer your questions <laughs> yeah. if we're able. If yes. we can't, yeah. we won't, and this is why we can't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're never going to do it because we're trying to impede your, right. You know, yeah. The process or mess up your work or anything like that. And I think once we started answering questions from each other, that helped good. a lot. Good. Because we we're on the same side. Yeah. It's, it's just we mm-hmm. go oh, about absolutely. everything in a different way. Yeah. It's the same thing as you know having different teams within this organization. It's different people doing different things amongst the community. That's why it takes a village, a community, yeah. to to really all step in. So yeah. That's amazing. I don't know if you've mentioned this yet, but you were very involved with the National Hotline. Yes. But you were the president of the board of the hotline. Uh Uh-huh. Whoa. Yeah, I think I was was on the board for several years. I was on the board when it was under TCFE, which was very awkward. They're Mm -hmm. two very different organizations Mm -hmm. because when you say national, it really is national. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And... uh, so funders, different donors didn't understand. No, well, this this is Texas, and this is. It was really hard to explain, and so it was a long process. But we formally separated, and okay. the hotline became independent because the hotline is actually much, much, much larger than TCFE. Absolutely, and um, so I was on their board, and then I was like, treasurer one year, last year, one year. And then in 2016, that was a big year. I was uh, elected president. Wow. And um, and I, I was telling was it you, I told her, or Alan this morning, I said it was funny. I had looked because someone had been Googling me because of some other volunteer work I'm doing. And I Googled something and it said, and I realized when I became president at the hotline, mm-hmm. it was in the Austin American Statesman. They did a great article. Caller Times didn't even notice it. <laughs> and I thought, I'm from here. <laughs> but that's been, that was just incredible. And I rolled off, I turned out two years ago. And, um, wow. Yeah. Got to do lots You're so of cool. Great I know. You guys cool. are, I know. Huh? You're a cool big sister. You're a cool big sister. Aww. Aww. Don't make me cry. Wait a minute. Stop it. Um, <laughs> oh, seriously. Um, so, okay. So how do you think the changes with the name have opened the door, if you will? <laughs> Could you tell them what we were that one time? Oh, the really long name? Uh-huh. Oh, I no. probably did when they when they yeah. went through training, but they probably blocked it out. <laughs> yeah. It was I Family know. Violence and Sexual Assault Prevention Center of South Texas, the Women's Shelter Incorporated. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I do remember that. Yeah, I remember it. Yeah. Um, I'm not taking credit for it. I think we all sat in one room, or a few of us did, trying to come up with a name. But I don't know who no, decided on that it. that happened. We were not in charge. We weren't in charge. Okay. But I think there was this idea like... But they oh, were going we to do what they wanted to do. It was like, and then we somebody to come up with said, something that represents everything, mm-hmm. which is almost impossible. 
Okay, that's anyway. so good. We um. So back then, actually, if I interviewed someone, I'd say, if you can repeat, if you can tell me our name without reading it off the sheet, you've got a job. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was like, if you could remember it, I figured you could do about well, anything. Well, your other thing, though, was, oh, would you the job? <laughs> yeah, my other big question is, what would you bring to a potluck? <laughs> and if it was chocolate, it was like you were in. Sure. <laughs> I would love to be. standards around. <laughs> I I'm sure she let all that you. slide. Yeah. She stopped. She stuck. Oh, no. We're going we to need- with your HR. Person. <laughs> bring out. bring back the the potluck like question. question. That is yeah. hilarious. Bring yeah. it back. That would be good. <laughs> so what in two thousand three is when we went to women shelters, women Texas. shelters in South Texas, because we realized there was nothing that was going to say what we really did. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so the people when they answered the phone, they were still saying women shelter. May I help you? No uh-huh. one was saying that long name. The person would have hung up. Probably yeah. by the time you were like, thinking, I never called. Yeah. <laughs> <All the place>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what you just said. Where am I calling? <laughs> so I had already left when y'all went through this, and yeah. I was really excited. Yeah, we we had thought about changing our name on and off because, yeah. as y'all know, probably from like doing a information tables mm-hmm. and stuff uh-huh. you'll have those people that come up and it's like well do you serve men or children and oh, sometimes yeah. you can't tell are they asking because they really want to know or they're being snarky yeah mm-hmm. i don't know right. if that's okay to say on the podcast oh, no, some, some people can be kind of snarky well, yeah. because it's true <laughs> yeah it's some true. people are very kind about the work and some people are not yeah no. that's true so when we our old name served us really well mm-hmm. because it was good to have women in shelter in the, in the same name because that's who mostly identified as mm-hmm. victims. That's who was coming forward for services. Um, and shelter made it really clear that you at least had shelter to go to. Mm. Uh, when we changed our name to the Purple Door, uh, we thought long and hard about it. We, we had focus groups. I mean, we hired a company to, like, do this work for us. Okay. Because we knew that. Once we changed, it wasn't like, you know, two years down the road, we're going to change our name again. Right. Um, And so we landed on the purple door, which at first I was kind of like, I'm not sure that's, you know, what I would pick. But then the next day I was like, no, it's perfect because it's kind of innocuous. Like it doesn't peg us. It didn't box us in. Mm -hmm. We explain our name anyway and what we do. Yep. So this... um, this change, I think, opened the door for more men to come forward and more people in the LGBTQ community to come forward. Because when they were hearing women, they really were thinking, just I don't have women. a place there. Yeah. yeah, You know, or it has to be just a heterosexual relationship. Right. And, and um, you know, we're, we're around for anyone who yes. is abused. So, um, and the fact that we serve so many kids, you know, right. people yeah. don't realize a third of the people mm-hmm. we serve every year are children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, um, for me, it was with our 40th anniversary and changing our name, it was just perfect timing because it was like, okay, now we're kind of stepping into another era or, you know. Yeah, you're, you've moved into a different place in the life cycle yeah. of the organization. One of growth, and it also worked out great, not just to the people that need to know that they're eligible for services, but to the general community who... Like you had once said, you said, for sure somebody's going to say, oh, the purple door, what's that? They, it encourages them it, to ask yeah, questions. Yeah. Ask instead of avoiding you because, oh, I think that's, that's a shelter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
walk all the way around. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we get that sometimes. Yeah. Well, yeah. I have seen, yeah. You know what? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen people walk all around our tables. Or when we do start talking about what the purple door does. They're like, oh, okay. And they don't even let you finish sometimes. They, like, just, like, walk off. gloss over. And I'm like, eyes. okay, bye. Like, take a pin. Like, <laughs> I've, had, I've had a few. So, okay. Something that generally, generationally that I've noticed is um, I've had several of several older women come by and um you know while we're explaining and everything you you do you see it you see their eyes you just kind of gloss over and halfway through the speech of you know what we do and um obviously delivery matters and i'm like a peppy person anyway so i'm like i'm watching them disengage and i'm like all right (laughs) (laughs) but then um towards the end when i'm done with the spiel and you know they're looking around at the table and grabbing the freebies which is great i'm glad they're taking them with them but some of them don't even do that and they're like they they just chalk it up to oh well that doesn't that doesn't affect me so i'm okay like almost like it's like a almost as if i was saying that it would be relevant to that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know if it makes sense. Like the only people that would need to know this information are victims. Or people yeah. that go through it. Yeah, yeah and that's not me, so, yeah. Oh, I yeah. always call it, that's those people. <laughs> you know, that happens <laughs> to those people. Yeah. Yeah. And you know oh who those gosh. people are? It's just everyone. not me. People, yeah. right. Oh, it's yeah. everyone but Sh- me. It's yeah. those people. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a yeah. great way to describe it, yeah. I can remember being told that by people. You know, that's something. They kind of whisper it. Uh, That does happen in those. You and I went to an elementary school to pick up, I think it might have been gifts for Christmas that this kindergarten or first grade class had had collected. And I won't say the school Uh because I don't want to do that. but, (laughs) But you and I went there, and I remember that one of the teachers or somebody came up and said, now don't, you know, don't talk about what y'all do because they don't, that doesn't happen out here. Ah, oh my and, you know, know they, that. they won't know what you're talking about. Which, of course, one, we weren't going to go into a kindergarten class <laughs> and talk let, about... Let us tell you, you all know, about domestic violence. Domestic violence. <laughs> but I also oh. thought it was interesting <laughs> just to literally say, like, it doesn't <laughs> happen here. Ah, thinking, uh, yeah. As a teacher, right. Yeah, you're, like, deluding yourself <laughs> if you think it's not happening here. Well, because oh. they're mandatory reporters. Mm-hmm. You have to know that it happens. You I have to know. I think something new also. Is it mandatory reporting? For the it teachers? probably wasn't back then. Probably yeah. You don't think so? Part. For educators or for... Because I, I th- has healthcare always been that way? Or that's probably so. new? Because it's only new. been probably wow. since... Yeah, actually when they became... Been, it's maybe as old as you guys are. Because <laughs> I want to say maybe <laughs> when I had you Sarah, they asked me. Spawn called me to go down and work with their ER department when that came oh. into effect that they were supposed Mandatory to report purchase. and wow. how to, you know, the questions they're supposed to ask and how to respond and how do you have the patient alone in the room mm-hmm. so that they can have access to a phone and all of that. They were, I mean, they called me and said, we got this info and... Don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we I just need, we need some help and we know we need to work <laughs> with y'all and... And like I remember was a big deal. Nurses and things like that too. Like when I was a, when I, how old was I? When I broke my arm, like six. Yeah. And you were, my yeah. mom took me to the emergency room, and they keep asking me, like, well, "How did this happen?" Blah blah blah. And I was very shy. 
And so your mom was answering, and so they were I was like, trying to get her to answer, and they were like, "No, we want to know what she says." And when I talked to my mom about it later, she said that's when they had started more, you know, trying to get information from kids more, yeah, in oh. case it was child abuse. So that was what 1971 or something. So. I, well, it's standard now, yeah. which is great. Well, I guess because my son basically grew up at the shelter. And, um, <gasps> We'd love to have him on, too. <laughs> I think I'm to Joe was six. Well, when I was going into the role of, I was doing the acting executive director piece or interim okay. before I was a named official. And so I was up there a lot in the evenings and stuff. So I would get him and there was a sofa around or a chair. And so he'd do his homework or he'd hang out. But I never had really gotten into exactly mm. what he did. I mean, he'd play with some of the kids sometimes on the playground. and But I never had gone into a whole lot of detail. You know, right. we help people. Right. We want to be a great place for families to come and mm. that kind of thing. So I had gone to school to meet with his teacher about something. I don't know if it was like a reading mom or reading on Wednesdays or something. And his teacher came out and said, you should be so proud of Joe. He did such a great job today. And I was like, oh, what did he do? You know, like he didn't hit somebody or <laughs> talk out of turn or That's offer nice. to fix the math for the teacher. Um, and she said, no, one of the kids hadn't been to school in two days and came today and told the class that he would not be coming to school here anymore mm. because his um, dad had been hitting his mother and then his big older brother, his big older brother is like nine, uh, mm. tried to stop it and he got hurt mm. and now they have to leave. Mm. And the teacher said, and Joe said, oh, you know, you need to call the women's shelter, and you can go there, and you tell your mom to call them because they have a safe place for you oh. and your mom and your brother. And this is it. He knew it all. And I thought, pretty good referral for a six-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done, kid. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that made me emotional. I know. I know. Yeah, it was just. That's And so she sweet. said it was great. She said the whole class. And he was at one of those schools, you know, where there's probably a lot of those people, <laughs> frankly. And she said, Eric in that class rallied around uh, that little yeah. boy. And it was just, yeah. I mean, nobody was oh. like, what are you talking about? You know, they, they were, were just supportive, supportive because he led the way in. Yeah. yeah, it really does matter. The first words that are that are spoken after something like that, oh, my gosh. You can change a room. Your son proved it. Holy yeah. cow. That is awesome. Oh. Aww. Well, you know, if Joe wants to come in here, <laughs> we'll be fine. Sure. It'll be we'll, down. It'll well, be cool. Be tell, him what tell him what he's doing now. Oh, what's he doing? Oh, he is. I'm so glad they moved to Houston last year. They lived in San Francisco for, what was he there, eight and a half years or something? It just seemed like eternity. Mm. But um, he is the new executive chef for Three by Wolfgang Puck. It's a very, I've spelled kind of, it's in the Texas Medical yeah. Center, and um, <laughs> oh, oh you know, so he's getting to use his degree as a business management. Yeah. He didn't go to chef school or cooking school <laughs> or anything like that, but he did learn very well. Culinary. It's called culinary. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "I want to 
to learn to cook after he'd gotten out of college and gotten a job. I'm That's like, what happens. Make some dinner and knock yourself out. And he's like, no, no, I really want to cook. I'm gonna. I'm moving to San Francisco. I'm like, what? But wow. So they and they, then he did it. Yeah, he did the he darn did. thing. And you get to go get fancy dinners. Uh huh. Exa- in Houston, and they're closer. Yay. Much closer. And oh, I love that. from here. So really, it, yeah, that's all worked out. Perfect. Uh-huh. Perfect. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, you know, again, if he wants to come in, then, I mean, we can buy groceries. We can have a whole, I like, thing set up here. <laughs> we have to bring some appetizers. <laughs> 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 that would tolerate it. We have snacks. I <laughs> 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 could bring my air fryer. <laughs> <laughs> a little, a little griddle. What are those? What are those? George Foreman. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> George Foreman. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Oh man, this has been incredible. This has. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh no, this oh, is so much welcome. fun. It's. Thanks so much for tuning in. The Purple Door provides free services to anyone who has experienced domestic or sexual violence at any point of their life. We also have a 24-7 hotline that you can reach out to with any questions at any time. And those numbers are 1-800-580-4878 or 361-881-8888. If you are interested in volunteering or have questions about donating, please visit our website at purpledoortx.org. Remember, a unified community is a safe community. See you next time. Bye. Bye.